God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. Amen, amen. We are continuing in our Prayers of the Bible series, and also we're in the uh, third week of um, In the Lord's Prayer. And today we're focusing in on verse 10, which is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's a lot in Jesus' instruction to disciples on how they should pray, so that's why we're uh, dividing it up into sections um, to reflect on, to glean. Uh, what, what can we learn about prayer and praying as individuals and corporately as a community of faith through the Lord's Prayer? Since Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Um, but because we're in the same prayer and section for a few weeks, uh, we're going to have some more experiential time to pray together. And um, more than just hearing me preach on one verse, uh, we're going to practice the Lord's Prayer. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you um, that you've given us the gift of prayer. That in this gift, we can cry out to you, we can speak to you and connect with you and partner with you in your mission to renew the world and bring in your kingdom um, and all its authority and in your sovereignty on the earth. Um, may you reign um, in the world and reign in each of our hearts. In your name, amen. So... When you think of the word kingdom, what do you think of? And this is not a rhetorical question. You can call, call back to me. When you think of the word kingdom or kings, princes, princesses, queens, what do you think of? Fancy people. Fancy people? England. England? Yeah. Castles. What? Castles. Castles, yes. Boats? Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Anything else? Yeah, so when I, uh, when I think of kingdoms or kings, I think of tales of long ago, right? Either King Arthur and, his, and the Knights of the Round Table type of thing, you know, the sword in this film. Or I think of, in history, the drama of the English monarchy, you know, with all its, you know, back and forth and, you know, people executing or torturing this queen or king and all of that and, you know, kind of the Protestant Catholic back and forth. Um, I also think of like The Crown. If you watch The Crown on Netflix, uh, the British monarchy, right? Even though, you know, when you say the British monarchy, they're not actually uh, the ruling legislative like class. They're just figureheads, right? But we're all intrigued with their lives. We're all intrigued with the activity and the, the gossip surrounding the British monarchy. Who, and now that we have an American who's married to a prince, right? Meghan Markle, and she just had a kid. And it's like, yes, this is so exciting. We have, we have a, a vested interest in the British monarchy now. And um, so that's what I think about when I think of kings and, king, uh, kings and kingdoms. Uh, but kingdom is kind of an older, king and kingdom is kind of an older phrase, right? We don't, we don't necessarily have that many kingdoms anymore, more democracies or republics or nations and countries 
with parliaments and congresses and presidents and all of these things and uh, or prime ministers. And so it, it's kind of an old, old uh, term. Um, so when I think of the kingdom of God, when, when we take kingdom in context, I think Jesus is talking about sovereignty, rule, and authority, right? A place where a king rules over a land, sits on a throne. I forgot one, one reference, Game of Thrones. I think of Game of Thrones when I think of kingdom. Or uh, the queen of dragons, right? Um, the mother of dragons. Think of that kind of stuff. Um, but a kingdom sits on a, a king sits on a throne, has a crown and a royal scepter, and rules over his or her or his subjects and all the people in that land under the banner or flag or crown of the king is subject to that king, right? Works and lives under the king's rule, authority, and sovereignty. And so when Jesus says, pray like this, and then in verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or all through the gospels where we hear the reference to the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of Christ, or the kingdom of heaven, this is all referring to God, Jesus, as ruler and authority over a land, over a people. And so my definition of the kingdom of God is anywhere the authority of God rules. Anywhere the authority of God rules. And this includes God's people, us, right, who are moving in Christ's work of salvation and renewal in the world. And this is not just a title. This is actually involves God's authority and power, right? God has power to rule over all of creation, all of the universe, and heaven above. God is ruling in authority and has sovereignty. Sovereignty means having authority over a place and a people. And God today, through Christ and the Holy Spirit, is moving in the world to renew the world, to restore the world, to save the world um, because of brokenness, because of evil in the world. And so there's a battle, right, between good and evil. There's a battle between the rule of Satan and the rule of God. And so when we say the kingdom of God is here, or the king, and Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, that means... It's the place or the person that is under the lordship and sovereignty of God. And so as subjects of the kingdom, as followers of God and as followers of Jesus, we're saying, Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm saying, when I say yes to Jesus, it's not a culture. It's not singing songs. It's not just, you know, reading my Bible every day. It's saying, Jesus is Lord and has authority in my life. Does that make sense? And it says, when I make decisions in my life, or the way I frame my worldview, or the way that, you know, my fa- I, I look at my purpose and calling in my own life, I'm putting that under the authority of Jesus. That's discipleship. That's being... Um, a subject of the kingdom of God. We recognize that Jesus is powerful and moving and real in the world, working and is making a difference. And we're saying yes to that. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're subject 
to that. Amen? Amen. And so there's three aspects um, of this plea in verse 10 that I think we need to pull out. As Jesus is telling his disciples, this then is how you should pray. Last week we focused on our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we talked about, oh, Jesus uses Father, right, and holiness. And that there's a juxtaposition of intimacy, great intimacy. Like even saying God is my Father, that's an intimate personal uh, connection there. And then holy, God is holy and separate, right, is above us and above, beyond us. Um, that this idea of holiness, separateness, and intimacy, God the Father. And now we get more cosmic, we get more universal to your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This, the, the larger picture, picture the global picture. Um, and Jesus is saying, as we pray this, we're making a plea to God. And this plea has three aspects. It's a recognition, one, that it is a plea of allegiance. A plea of allegiance. So, I don't know, do they say the Pledge of Allegiance anymore in schools? That's probably old school, right? When I was a kid, we every morning, they'd get on the intercom, and if you're a good reader and student, you'd get to go to the office and like read the Pledge of Allegiance on the intercom. And I got to do it once, and of course I messed up. Uh, and they never asked me again. But you get, we said the Pledge of Allegiance, there are flags in every room, we put our right hand over our heart, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic by which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, for liberty and justice for all. Right? We don't, they don't say that anymore. But saying the Pledge of Allegiance uh, means you're, you know, in all of that it's saying, I'm submitting myself to this nation, to this country, to this flag. Um, so that's what I think about when we say, when we cry out, your kingdom come, we're pledging allegiance to God's kingdom, to God's flag, to God's nation, to God's authority and power. We're saying, I am a loyal subject of God's kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And I forgot to tell this story, but, you know, I think nowadays, and me as a sim, with the sim blood coursing through me, Authority, we may have issues with authority, right? <laughs> but I'm gonna issues with authority. So I'm, I'm Gen X, any Gen Xers out there? Gen X generation, Woohoo! So when I grew up, when I was in high school, I grew up, I went to high school here in Seattle. Uh, it was Nirvana, it was a Seattle grunge scene. We wore ripped jeans and flannel with a t-shirt underneath. And it's all about being an individual and not caring about the system. Right? We distrusted authority. We distrusted the system, and our ragged clothes represented that. Because we all came from broken homes, or we were latchkey kids, and we saw big institutions fall and crumble because of, you know, because of uh, corruption. We saw televangelists, you know, big-time Christian leaders on TV and caught in scandal, and we're like, Forget the institution, forget the government, forget the family structure, you know? Smells like teen spirit, right? It's like Nirvana, Kurt Cobain was like the anthem, you know? That was like the center of what we, what we stood for. 
and you know, a, a general distrust of authority. And I remember one time visiting a church, and this was a, a pretty charismatic church. And so there was a laying on of hands, laying of the spirit, if you've ever experienced that. And I remember a path, me and a group of people were visiting this church, and we were called up to the front to stand up. And the pastor was, one by one, like, pushing people's forehead, and they were falling on the ground, being slain in the spirit. And it was one by one, people were falling down. Let the bodies get the floor. Let the bodies get the floor. <laughs> and, uh, and it was getting closer to me, and I'm like, nah, I'm not going down. I am not going down. You know, this, that was this rebel in me. It was like authentic faith. You know, I'm not going to fake the funk. You know, you can't just, you know, I'm not going to get your back and you like fall down just so you can have your moment up here in the church. And so the pastor comes to me and he's like, in the name of the spirit, you will, you know, lay down. And he's pushing my forehead and I'm like pushing back. <laughs> right? And we're like, I, sw I swear it was maybe five minutes. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had that attitude. I will not bow down to anything, you know? And I think we, we have a little bit of that. I mean, there was a time where we respected the office of the president in our country, right? But we, we live in a time where it's so divided in our nation that whatever side you're on, you know, whoever represents that side, we're not going to respect that person, the president, or whatever leader that represents the other side. Even, even the church is divided into different tribes. And we'll say, oh, that's not my brand of Christianity. Like, they don't believe in that. I don't respect that person. Okay? And it's really hard to find, wow, here's authority in our country that I'm going to trust. I'm, I'm definitely not going to kneel down and bow, kiss the ring, you know, of this person. And it's a reality. But into that, the larger and truer reality is God is a good and faithful ruler that loves us, that loves people, and that's trustworthy. Amen? Yes in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of kind of crumbling um, the authorities and foundations of our culture and government, crumbling and we don't know what's true. Uh, we don't know who to trust. Young adults in the church, we don't know if we can trust the church anymore. God is faithful, God is good. And so when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven, we're making a plea of allegiance. We're saying, I, I am subject to God. I'm a subject to the King. He is Lord in my life. I trust God. I believe in God. Secondly, when we pray this part of the prayer, your kingdom come and your will be done, there's a recognition of the reality of the battle, the war between good and evil, right? So if you, if you would go to Ephesians 6.12, Paul talks about our struggle 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There's a war out there. Right? There's a spiritual war. And you know, I'm not one to, I'm not big on like over-spiritualizing this or like casting out demons or like, that's not my thing. You know, I know, I believe in the reality of those things. Uh, but you know what? I've seen in my own life and the lives of others how people have fallen or have people have uh, gone into patterns of sin because they have been fooled, right? Or I've seen systemic evil in the world. I've seen um, corporate evil in the world. So I know that, oh, there is evil, right? There are forces of evil at work that are hurting me, that are hurting people every day. And to be naive to that is to be like, you're putting a target on your head. We're putting a target on our head. Like, this is real. And we have to open our eyes to the fact that it's not all good in our world. It's not all relative, right? There are forces at work, and it's a cosmic battle. And so when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, we're standing against evil. We're saying, no, Satan. We're saying, I am in the tribe of God. I am in God's forces. And I'm fighting for, I'm a superhero. I'm one of those great knights, right? This spiritual analogy. I'm a knight, I'm a hero, I'm a gladiator for God against the forces of evil. And we gotta recognize that and, and pray for the kingdom of heaven to come. We're recognizing that reality and we're choosing, we're choosing flags and we're choosing sides, amen? And I know sometimes it's hard because black and white things are difficult in our culture. But we need to, when we pray, we're praying for God's, God to rule. And we're praying for the forces, the dark, uh, darkness of Satan to be pushed back. We're praying for the chains to be broken in our world. We're praying for the power in the name of Jesus, right? That those are realities. Are you with me, church? And then thirdly, the third aspect of this plea in verse 10 is increasing the realm. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Perhaps this image of heaven is a place where God's sovereignty is perfectly known. Right? The angels blast their trumpets and their horns. When God shows up, it's like, do, 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 do. Right? And I know there's a lot of TV shows these days, like, uh, what's the one with uh, Frozen Girl? The Good Place. There's The Good Place. There's another of, like, you know, what heaven is like. But it's like this non perfect place, and God is actually, you know, like, a crass person or like a corrupt person and more human uh, human qualities um, but what Jesus is saying in heaven may he may your kingdom come 
and your will be done on earth as in heaven. God's will is done on heaven. The angels cry out and honor his name in heaven. And may that be so all over the earth, right? May his authority spread all over earth, right? If the earth was black and white, right, may color just gradually like spread, like watercolored drop in, a, in water. Like it, the cloud of the color just spreads. And that's what Jesus is saying. On earth, may your kingdom come and your will be done more and more and more. Right? There is a battle. It, we are not complete. The kingdom is both now and not yet. It's here. It's in you. It's in the earth. But it's still, we're still in process. And we're still winning over people. We're winning over places. We're winning over um, institutions and organizations and peoples and nations. And so when we pray, we're calling forth for the increase of God's realm, of his kingdom, to widen, to win more subjects, if you will, to win more people. But winning more subjects is not about might. It's not about weaponry. We don't win our subjects by fear, right? Or violence or bullying. But we're winning people for God's kingdom through love, amen? Through our love, through our community. How our community of faith is radically different than what the world is used to or knows. That in our radical love, our radical unity, our radical reconciliation, our radical unity in the midst of diversity, that that's a witness to the whole world. People look at us and be like, what? Why are those people hanging together? What? Why did they just give me money and help me get on my feet? What? What's going on? They said, I forgive you? Like, they, they apologized? Like they were humble and like laid down power. They, they said hi to me. <laughs> we're doing this through our love. And we're also, God is also increasing his realm and transforming lives and the entire land. Transforming the entire world with love. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, we're saying, God, we, we pledge allegiance to you. God, we know that the earth and its people, there's a conflict, there's a battle, right? And we recognize this battle and we, we stand on your side. And then finally, we wanna be a part of your mission to renew all things, to save all people, to bring redemption to a broken world. And we, we want to be a part of that. And that's the church. As we pray together, that's the church's purpose and mission in the world. We're going to take some time uh, corporately. Uh, if you want to call out prayers, in the form of your will be done in your kingdom come, your will be done in. Uh, you can just call that out as we uh, pray together.
let your will be done in this church and renew. Um, will you continue to grow us, not for our name and for our glory's sake, but so that your will will be done um, through us and through your spirit and here and in our, in our neighborhood as we serve and love people. Um, continue to expand um, our influence uh, for your namesake. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and